0: I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank & Trust for
1: making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal, And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next.
0: Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scan Squad. I'm Patty Teal, and as always, back with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson to warn us about the latest scans. And we have our wonderful partners from Montecito Bank and Trust here today, who I'll let Vicki introduce.
1: Okay, thank you, Patty. And today we have Sean Dyer, Senior Fraud Specialist from Montecito Bank and Trust. She always has some good information for us, things that our listeners really need to know about. So Welcome, Sean. So nice to have you back with us. And what have you got for us today? Today, I was just going to talk about a couple that
2: we've talked about before that are resurfacing again. One we're referring to as the P2P transfer scam. P2P stands for person to person. That is when you are either unknowingly participating in a scam where you are conducting these transfers yourself or where you are a victim, where a scammer has convinced you that they are somebody else, and you allow them access to your online banking so that they can perform these transfers. P2P is typically like Zelle or Venmo or those kinds of things. It's made to be used by people rather than businesses. That's the point. It's that, oh, you went and shared lunch. Oh, okay. Let me sell money to you or let me Venmo the money to you. But scammers are really good at convincing you that their only way that they can receive payment for whatever it may be. And we have seen it for puppies, you know, like the puppy scam. They want you to send money fast because once that money goes, it's gone. If you have Zell, for example, all you need is their cell phone number or an email, and that money goes with that. If that fraudster, which usually they are already set up to receive it, that's it, and it's gone.
1: I used to play tennis with a friend, and we would take lessons occasionally, and I would always race to pay the instructor with my checkbook, and she would get on her cell phone and pay by one of these p two p transfers to the guy that was giving us lessons. So, what did they have to do to set that up? I never quite understood the process. What did the instructor have to do? What did she have to do? By the way, she almost always beat me in the race to pay him first. <laughs> the instructor
2: probably preferred her method of payment because it was immediate.
1: <laughs> yes, I think it went right into his account. Is that right? You yes. didn't have to go to the bank and deposit a check. Okay, exactly. Exactly. So what information did they both need to share in order for that to happen? I'm going
2: to use Zelle as the example. If you are willingly the one going in and
1: sending it, that means you've already
2: established Zelle. For us at our bank, you have to access your online banking and then click on the Zelle button. Other institutions might have it set up a different way. But by establishing your account with Zelle, it means you've already entered your bank's information, your account information, and you have set up your profile within there. And you have decided what they're calling is a token what token will be used to send money back and forth? And that's either a cell phone number or an email address. You can also do your whole checking account, routing number and account number. However, that means if you are sending money back and forth, you're providing that other person with your checking account, routing number and account number. So that's the least favorite. And that one is not quite immediate. So if you're transferring money, you literally just say, hey, here's my cell phone number. For example, let's say I'm going to send you 20 bucks, Vicky. So Uh I'm going to go and you've already got a Zelle account set up and you've told me it's my cell phone number. That's my token. So I go into Zelle and I put in your cell phone number, $20, and I click on send. You will receive a text message on your phone that says, hey, Sean Dyer's trying to send you $20 via Zelle. Would you like to accept? And you hit yes. And then it's linked. Because you set your phone number up as your token, it knows to go to that number, which is linked to your account, and the money's there. Okay. Just like that.
1: Yeah. So as the sender, you would have to get on your cell phone. Or, or a banking, computer. You could be on a computer. computer in your online no. banking. Go to your online banking. And when you're in your online banking, access cell, which I'm assuming is an app. And then what do you do? Within Zelle, it can say, do you want to send money or
2: receive money? Okay, you can send a request saying, hey, you owe me. Okay, but that person also on the other end, then they're, they'll get that message. But again, you have to have their cell phone or their email, whatever they've set up as their token.
1: So once you're in Zelle, Zelle will then prompt you, do you want to send money? Yes. How much do you want to send $20? Who do you want to send it to? And then what does she provide? Does she provide the tennis instructor's email? She probably had his cell phone number. Okay. So she provides the tennis instructor's cell phone number. She puts that in. 30 seconds and it's verifying
2: that cell phone number is linked to a valid Zelle account. Whether it's a fraudulent one or not, obviously we don't know, but if it's a valid one, then it can accept it and it should notify the instructor that somebody's trying to send him money.
1: So they both have to have a Zelle account. Correct. On both sides. Have to have a Zelle account on
2: both ends. And of course, the fraudsters all have many of them. And the idea is they just go through and blast through it quickly to as many people as they can, as quickly as they can, and then they're gone.
1: And so basically, they contact a person, maybe with a product that's going to be sold, say, pay me through Zelle. The gift cards have
2: not gone away by any means, but this is another means of getting funds. If people are finally catching on that no good comes from a gift card, except if you're actually going to hand it to the person that you're giving a gift to, this P2P transfer is the next best thing. The victim doesn't have to go into the bank. It's not like a wire where they have to go inside a bank or go to Western Union anything like that. They're doing it on their phone or right on their tablet or on their computer.
1: So now we have to be suspicious if somebody that we don't know exactly. is asking us to pay by P2P. You should never be using P2P if you
2: don't personally know that person. Okay, It can absolutely be a scam.
0: I sent some money to someone earlier in the month, and it was a little larger amount. And they did hold up on it. And the bank actually called me to make sure that I knew the person. That's I That's great. That was, mm-hmm. So I guess banks are feeling they have to do that. But it was good that because i would never sent to that particular person
1: before. In the scenario that we just talked about where you're doing a P2P transfer using Zelle, by you doing that you're not giving them any way to access your banking information are you i mean they can't then get in and go even further and take money out correct if and that's
2: the key part if you're the one who initiated it on yeah. your phone and sent it then yeah. that's the that's the worst of it you're just out that money cuz you did it okay. but you did not disclose hopefully you didn't you didn't need to disclose your bank your routing number any of that because you just went in and went to Zelle and said, I'm sending money to this phone number. Okay. All right. So there shouldn't be any identity theft related to that,
1: but- Related to that, to that kind of transfer. To to that kind of a transfer. All right.
2: Now, does
0: PayPal work the same way?
2: I- think it's similar, but I hate to say I don't use PayPal. You
0: know, I have used PayPal quite a bit, too. And there is a little bit of a difference. So it goes to your PayPal account and it sits there until you press a button transferring it into your bank. So whereas with Zelle, you're all set up, it goes straight to your bank, even though PayPal has your banking information, mm-hmm. it just sits in, their pay, in the PayPal account until you go in and press a button to put it in the bank of your choice. OK, but it is similar. I think PayPal came along first is mm-hmm. how it seems to me. And then these others streamlined it even more. So it sounds
2: like the PayPal is more like they have an escrow holding account for that's as you sign good. up. Mm-hmm. And that's the go between. And that's the hold up, too, because yes. I think that's probably not same day. It may be next day.
0: Once you go in there and accept it into your bank, you can get it within like five minutes. Well, it depends. if you do it through a routing number or if you put it on a card, they have variations. If you do it like the immediate, there is a small fee. They take out a very small percentage. Whereas with Zelle and Venmo, I don't think they take any money out.
1: No. So, yeah. Sean, have your customers shared with you the kinds of tricks that these scammers are using to get well, them? Well, like sand? one was the puppy
2: scam. Some one gal was trying to buy a horse. It's more frequent where it is our customer is searching for something
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they get caught up rather than being solicited for right. something.
1: Okay. And so it could be a a used car, or like you say, a puppy or a product that they're searching for, and they're wanting to buy a particular product. And unfortunately, online, the scammers are trolling and just waiting for that opportunity. And they pretend like they have it. And oh, let's do the transfer this way. I'm sure they even have pictures of what they're sending. Yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, And you're saying a lot of that.
2: We're trying to help and educate the clients, but it's how the fraudsters are. They're always one step ahead. So it's just keeping yourself informed of these things. And it's kind of like leading into my next topic of the bank phone number being spoofed. Don't ever take anything for its face value. You have to do your due diligence. If you think it's that good, if it's too good to be true, it is. And if it seems like it was really cheap
0: and should have cost a whole lot more, well it probably should. I imagine the cryptocurrency transferring too, because you copy a link and you copy it into their link and boom, it's gone. And you probably can't get that back either. So it's along the same line as these. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And crypto, we yeah, that's a whole
2: <laughs> whole another thing as we all know, which I am I am not uh well versed enough in it to even get into but it's
0: that easy. I've sent some crypto yes. to my son and you just copy a link and yes. you press it into his and it's just like sent and it's gone and he's got it. So it's another yep. very fast way to send money to friends.
2: Yes. Don't copy yes, the, wrong the younger lane. generation they like
1: it they're <laughs> into the crypto they like <laughs> they, they like the speed and a lot of things about it so tell us about the boofed bank phone calls what are you seeing there what's so the- this is
2: uh, it seems to go in waves and mm-hmm. we've had another wave the fraudsters obviously anyone can get a, a financial institution's phone number We have it out there, so it's easy to find. I don't know the process of how the fraudsters do the spoofing, but they are spoofing the bank's phone number. And other local banks have had it happen as well. And now everybody has like, you know, caller ID. So you can see your bank's name is coming up. Oh, I better take that call. It's the bank. Again, that sense of urgency. Oh, something's wrong. That's always our first thought that we better, you know, answer this call. Well, don't answer the call. I hate to say it. Don't answer the call. You call the bank directly and ask them, did you just call me for something? Our service center will have a log of all going, outgoing calls, but what happens though is customers get a spoofed bank call. That's where we've had one of the P2P transfer scams is they thought it was the bank calling them, telling them that there was something on the account that they needed to investigate and they saw a charge coming from Amazon and we we want your assistance to help us with whatever and and I don't have the rest of the details of the story, but spoofing a bank's phone number Very common. Don't answer it or let it go to voicemail because if it's a scammer, they won't usually leave a message. They want to get you live and get Mm -hmm. that sense of urgency going. So if you don't have a message, you knew it wasn't the bank because if it were of the bank, we would leave you a message and our direct line to call back.
1: What they're doing is really trying to get you to give information. This is your bank calling. There's a problem with your account. They may say something about we want to make sure we're talking to the right person, and they may this even ask have- for your social security number. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then they may even have some banking information about you. I mean, if you've thrown away, for example, bank records without shredding, dumpster divers know exactly where to go when they find bank records. They know how to find a fraudster who'd love to get that information. Next thing you know, you're getting a phone call and they have maybe a little piece of your banking records. Oh, we're just verifying that this is account number. These are the last four numbers. And is that correct? Well, can you give us further verification? And before exactly. you know it, they've mined you for whatever information they can get to finagle themselves further into your banking system. I would imagine that's what they're. That is absolutely correct. And
2: data breaches are just commonplace now. So really? all of us have had some pieces of personal data breached from some company, credit card, restaurant. Our stuff is out there. So is that right? don't, yeah. don't think for a minute that. All of your personal identifiable information is safe and secure because it isn't. Always be on guard.
1: Yeah. Remember when they had that big breach of one of the credit reporting agencies? Yes and experience. everybody's inf- experience thank you and everybody's information is well Vicki,
0: we could repeat your co-workers information from last week dayton aldrich told us that you could go to a site and i was thinking i should do it but haven't done it yet it's called have i been p-w-n-e-d dot com and you can put in your email address or you can put in the password that you use regularly. And it comes up and it tells you all the hacks and data breaches that you've been exposed to.
1: I forgot about that. until And, yeah, that and he said it's a
0: real site. And have it's I been legitimate? Have I been pwned? And then he made the comment not honed is P W
1: N E D dot com. And he called it a very safe and useful tool ed.com dcom That would be a yes. good thing for all of us to do. Yeah. I've not, not I heard thinking. of that one, so I'm yeah. curious. Wow. <laughs> I'm so scared. we've got the, the P2P transfer scam. We've got the uh, spoofed bank phone number scam. Anything else we need to be careful about? <laughs> <or>? <laughs> it goes on and on, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. right. you don't even have to leave your house to get these scams to happen. <laughs> That's, That's <right>. the unfortunate <laughs> so, thing. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this information with us. Thank and you. Patty, thank you for remembering that site from last week. Absolutely. It, it had already gone kind of right out of my head. So, <laughs> do you want to hear a sort of humorous story, but strange? Let me just put it this way a strange story that has a good ending. Well, yeah. and it has a good ending. Yeah. ending. We'll listen. Okay. <laughs> So this is from the Department of Justice. Once again, this happened in Texas. A San Antonio man was sentenced to 15 months in prison for perpetrating a hoax related to COVID-19. Here was the hoax. Apparently, this guy, last name Perez, posted two threatening messages on Facebook where he claimed that he paid somebody who had COVID to lick items at a grocery store. Oh! Oh! in San Antonio to scare people away from visiting that store. So clearly this guy had a bad experience at the store and he was gonna get even with that store. And so he posted on Facebook that somebody with COVID had licked items at the store. Well, thankfully the threat was false. He didn't actually do it. He was just trying to ruin their business. They were able to find him and hold him accountable, and this is the quote from the FBI agent who was in charge of this case. Those who would threaten to use COVID-19 as a weapon against others will be held accountable for their actions, even if the threat was a hoax, because his actions were knowingly designed to spread fear and panic. He was sentenced to 15 months in prison for doing that. So anyway, it's a strange story, but with a good ending, and it just shows the lengths that people will go to to exact their revenge, I Mm -hmm. guess. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing, (laughs) Vicki. I know. Well, you know, it gave us a little bit of a laugh, although we're also going, oh my gosh, that's horrible.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, Sean. You always have such great information and thank everybody at your bank for all the good they do to warn the community about scams. Thank you for having me again. I look forward to seeing you next time.
1: Okay. Bye now.
0: Bye-bye.